Thank you. I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing the testimony tonight, uh, Brother Kim, of, uh, of the background. And uh, but Brother Kim, your father, did he come to the Lord? Was it through a missionary that, that went to Korea? And so I, I don't want to give that away. So tonight I, 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 I want to hear the story, uh, dear, of um, you know, the, the money that you invest into missions. And here's the fruit of uh, three generations. Uh, here and uh, what a what a blessing that is! What a legacy uh, that is! I, I'm looking forward to that testimony here this evening. Uh, Psalm 145, Psalm 145, and going to read just a couple of verses here, and uh, we'll come back and and undergird that with some uh, just some background of the psalm. I picked this psalm up here uh, about a month ago, and uh, the Lord was dealing with my heart. I actually I preached uh, through some thoughts here. Uh, I believe on a Sunday evening a few weeks back, and uh, the Lord had just been using some things, and I've been trying to memorize and meditate upon this psalm, and I find I, I don't do nearly as good a job memorizing now as I used to. Uh, I don't know what happens. Uh, the, the brain doesn't work like it used to work, and, and uh, so it's taken me a little bit longer, but I'm working on memorizing this psalm and, and just uh, meditating, and uh, so here this week as I was driving to go pick up my wife, I I kept just thinking through some of the thoughts of, of the psalm, and uh, one of the verses here just continued to come back in, into my heart and my mind, and I want to look at that this morning. Would you stand with me if you're able to this morning? Uh, psalm 145, I want to look here at verse number 18, Psalm 145, verse number 18, and I would encourage you to, to uh, memorize this with me if you're able to, and uh, just seek to... Uh, put this, the uh, principles here are so tremendous, so powerful. Uh, Psalm 145, verse number 18, and it reads, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. He will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Has there ever been a time in your life when you were at the end of you and you couldn't and you just cried out to the Lord? And in crying out to the Lord, you, you found that he was there. Isn't that a wonderful thought, a wonderful blessing? And it, it has seemed that in my own heart, in my own life, some of the deepest works of God have come out of the lowest points of my life. It seems those have been the points where God taught me the most, where God did the most. And I've also seen this through the years, uh, just as a church, there are times of sowing, and there are times of reaping, and there are times of purging, and there are times of fleecing. But what I found is that it's always after the most difficult days that the greatest work of God is accomplished. And I think it's because the Lord works on principles, and this principle that we look at here this morning is such a key, crucial principle. I'd like you to join me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and would you pray here? The Lord knows your heart and your need, and maybe this morning just take uh, an opportunity to cry out to him and to say, Lord, there, there's something that um, maybe in your heart, there's something that, um, that I need help with this morning. Uh, maybe you're not sure you're saved, or even now, cry out to the Lord. And maybe here this morning there's a, a, a situation or an issue that you're dealing with. Would you cry out to the Lord as we're taking this time 
here today to pray. Father, I thank you uh, for this wonderful uh, principle that you've set before us here in the Word of God. And Lord, I pray here this morning as we preach, I'm grateful always that you know every heart and you know every need. And, and I pray this morning that you would take your word and minister it at the point of need. And Lord, there's somebody here today that they, they're uncertain if, uh, if you returned or if they died, they're uncertain about their eternal destiny. And Lord, here this morning under conviction, would you help them to turn to you and cry out to you? Or there's somebody here today that's facing a great difficulty and it's beyond them and uh, they have no idea where this is going or what's going to happen. And God, today, I'm thankful we can cry out to you. Or maybe somebody here today going through a relationship issue, uh, just struggling in an area. Lord, uh, you have given a promise here. Help us to put that into application this morning. We pray in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated this morning. In a, as I mentioned, I uh, just picked this psalm up here a month or so ago and began to uh, memorize and to meditate upon it and uh, just kind of share a bit of the background as to how this uh, came about. Uh, years ago, I, I was at a, a church, uh, had preached uh, for the pastor, and they had a prayer meeting in the, in the afternoon uh, after the morning service uh, that afternoon before the evening service. Uh, they had a prayer meeting, and uh, uh, the pastor just to put before the, the people at that prayer meeting that he wanted them just to take the time in that meeting uh, just to, to praise and worship the Lord. And I thought, well, that's kind of neat. And then I began to, uh, began to, to pray, and we all uh, prayed on our own and began to pray. And, and I realized I, I really don't understand uh, fully how to worship and praise the Lord. And uh, I picked up this psalm here recently. I thought I'm going to uh, take some time in my own private time just to worship the Lord. And it's easy for us to ask God of things, but sometimes uh, uh, we come and, and uh, spend that time. We often neglect worshiping the Lord. And it was in the process of that that I picked up Psalm 145. And I began to see here the heart of David. Now, I believe when we, when we get to heaven, if you're saved this morning, we're going to spend much of our time in eternity worshiping the Lord. You can see this in Revelation chapter 4, where the saints gathered around the throne of God. They worship him uh, because he's worthy. Uh, thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. Thou art worthy, O Lord, in uh, Revelation 4, verse number 11. And they worship the Lord. Uh, he's worthy through creation. In Revelation chapter 5, uh, they worship the Lord. He's worthy through redemption. Thou hast redeemed us to thy God out of every kindred, out of every tribe, out of every uh, tongue and people and nation. And uh, they worship him because he's worthy. And so it seems in heaven we'll spend a lot of time worshiping the Lord. And so it was in that process that I came to Psalm 145. I want you to just quickly look at a few thoughts, verses 1 and 2. Here's the heart of David. And David resolved to praise God. Now David said, I will extol thee, my God, O King, and I will bless thy name forever and ever. Every day will I bless thee. I will praise thy name forever and ever. David resolved this was a choice, and for David it was a daily choice that he would worship the Lord. He would worship the King. And I thought about this. Here's David the king of Israel, but he refers to King Jesus as the king. And he understood he would bow before that king and he would worship that king and he acknowledged a higher king 
than himself. He concludes the psalm in verse 21. He said, My mouth shall speak the praise of the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. That was the heart of David, to worship, to bless the king, to praise the name of the Lord. Now this morning, I want you to look back to verse number 18. And just as I'm driving back from Arkansas, driving to Arkansas, this verse just kept going over and over. And I want to give some thoughts here this morning. It says, the Lord is nigh. Uh, That's close. He's close to all that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. Now, what we find as we begin to worship and praise the Lord, he begins to work on our behalf. And I've seen this through the scriptures. One of my favorite passages is 2 Chronicles chapter 20, where Jehoshaphat is surrounded by enemy armies. The Moabites, the Ammonites have come against him. Uh, It looks to be a hopeless situation. And Jehoshaphat began to seek the face of the Lord. And in the process, God gave a word, said, this battle is not yours, but the Lord. And and Jehoshaphat then begins to set forth and to obey the Lord. And as he obeys the Lord, as they go forth into the battle, understanding it's the Lord's battle, they begin to, to sing and to praise the Lord. And when they began to sing and praise the Lord, the Lord set ambushments and the enemy turned against himself. And by the time Jehoshaphat and Judah arrived, the battle was won. And you see in that the power of that praise unto the Lord. And it often happened in David's life. Now David would flee from Saul. And yet in the midst of David's difficulties, David would worship the Lord. He would praise the Lord. And in that process, God would often work deliverance through that praise. Now, what we find is that God is at work as we praise him. And as David said, I will extol thee, my God, O King. I will bless thy name forever and ever. As we come to verse number 18 here this morning, I I want you to, to think, first of all, about the character of God. He says in verse 18, the Lord, uh, this is the God that David has been speaking of. The Lord is nigh. Uh, Who is this Lord? Uh, David found many reasons to praise the Lord, to exalt him, to uplift him. Several themes become evident in this psalm. For example, in verse 3, he recognizes the greatness of the Lord. He said, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. His greatness is unsearchable. We can't this morning even begin to comprehend who God is and all that is involved in the greatness of God. I think about his, his omnipotence. It, that means God is all-powerful. That, that blows my mind. Uh, to think that in creation, God spoke the world into being. He said, let there be light, and there was light. And everything made by the word of God, all things made, uh, though there was nothing. And before time, before space, before matter, there was God, all-powerful. And then as we read through the Bible, the power of God, the omnipotence of God, and and we see that God parted the Red Sea and delivered the children of Israel, and, and God brought the plagues, and God provided manna from heaven, and God gave water out of the rock, and God was the light by day, or the cloud by day, and the fire by night. 
as they wandered through the wilderness. God in his power, his omnipotence. And, and then we think of the Lord Jesus Christ, the virgin birth and the omnipotence of God that with God all things are possible and, and the virgin birth would take place and the Lord Jesus Christ would come upon the scene and a very God manifest in flesh. And, and then we think of the power of the Lord that was able to heal the sick and make the lame to walk and the blind to see and the deaf to hear and able to calm the sea by his word. All the power, the omnipotence of God, that greatness is unsearchable. And then his omnipresence, you can't escape God. Everywhere you go, there is God. David said in Psalm 139, uh, he said, I can't, I can't get away from him. Uh, if I ascend or descend to the depths of the sea or ascend to the heights of the heaven, there's God. Uh, Whither shall I flee from thy spirit? David said, I can't escape the Lord. His omnipresence, his omniscience, uh, God is all-knowing. He knows everything. I was thinking in driving, I looked out and, and just uh, the beauty and, and the wonder of it all, of all of the creation and uh, just the grass out in the field and you see the animals feeding upon the grass and, and then the, the clouds and the sky that would give the rain and it was my God that put it all together and the order of it all, just the magnificence of it, it it's beyond my comprehension. And there is my God, his omniscience, he's, he's all-knowing, and he's all-wise. And last week, we dealt with the holy God, he's holy. If I could describe God in one word, I would say, holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. See, the God that we love and worship and know, uh, he's omnipotent, he's omniscient, he's uh, omnipresent, uh, but he's holy, He's, he's righteous in everything. He's always right in everything he does. And here's what David says as he's praising the Lord. His greatness is unsearchable. And then we read in verse number 6 of the greatness of the Lord in, in Psalm 145. He said, Men shall speak of the might of thy terrible acts, and I will declare thy greatness. So as David is looking at the character of God, there's this greatness of the Lord. Go back to verse 5. There's the glorious majesty of God. He said, I will speak of the glorious honor of thy majesty and of thy wondrous works. We mentioned Revelation 4 and 5 where the saints are around the throne worshiping the Lord. But then we read in Revelation 21 and 22 that in heaven there is no need of the sun or the moon because of the glory of the Lord. And the glory of the Lord is the light thereof in heaven. Uh, the glorious majesty of God. Look in verse number 11 of Psalm 145. He said, They shall speak of the glory of thy kingdom and talk of thy power to make known to the sons of men his mighty acts and the glorious majesty of his kingdom. We can't even begin to comprehend of what heaven is going to be like and that majesty, the glory of heaven. I, I believe this in our sinful flesh right now. We could not enter into that presence and live. Uh, and we have to be given that glorified body to enter into the presence of the Lord. This is why in the Bible you will find so often when men came into the presence of God and beheld the majesty and the holiness and the purity of God, they fell upon their face as dead before God as they, as they uh, had that sense of his presence. In verse number 13, 
He says, Thy kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and thy dominion endureth through all generations the glorious majesty of God. David also examined the goodness of God. He's holy. He's righteous. In verse number 7, he said, They shall abundantly utter the memory of thy great goodness and shall sing of thy righteousness. And then in verse number 17, he mentions, The Lord is righteous in all of his ways and holy in all of his works. In verse 21, My mouth shall speak and praise the Lord. Let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Uh, The goodness of God, the holiness of God, everything that God does is pure and right and holy. Uh, He's a God of truth. He's sinless. He's perfect in every capacity. He never makes a mistake. And here's David examining that and praising the Lord for his goodness. And then in the midst of it, look in verse number 8. David understands the gracious compassion of God. He said, the Lord is gracious, full of compassion, slow to anger, of great mercy. In verse number 9, the Lord is good to all, and his tender mercies are over all his works. In verse number 14, the Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee, thou givest them their meat in due season. Thou openest thine hand and satisfiest the desire of every living thing. See, as David meditated upon the character of God, uh, he was moved to praise God, and he saw this compassion of God. Here is God. He's holy. He's powerful. He's all-glorious. And here is David praising the Lord for that, and then he recognizes this gracious compassion of this God. That's the character of God. But I want you to look at this thought in verse number 18. And notice the closeness here of God. He says, the Lord, and that's what this psalm is all about, the Lord. But this thought is nigh unto all them that call upon him. The closeness of God, this great, glorious, holy, pure God. It says, the Lord is nigh. That word means near, at a small distance in place or time. It means close at hand. You think about this all-glorious, almighty God. He wants a relationship with man. And he proved that over and over and over again. Adam and Eve rebelled against God. They broke the fellowship. They hid from God. They sowed the fig leaves. But God came seeking Adam. It was not Adam that sought God. It was God that sought Adam. Adam hid from God, but God comes into the garden. Adam, where art thou? God knew all along where Adam was. God knew the sin of Adam. It was God that initiated the relationship. And then it was God that clothed Adam and Eve. And I believe the Lord took the innocent lambs and preached to them the gospel of the Lamb of God uh, that would go to the cross and shed his blood for the sins of the world. And the Lord God clothed them with the blood of those innocent lambs. That was a picture of Jesus Christ. See, God heard the cry of a lost world. The world sighed and cried by reason of its bondage. 
God heard the cry. God sent his son. In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, made under the law. God has sent his son to the cross. And his son was made to be sin for us, though he knew no sin. My sin, your sin, was placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, upon the cross of Calvary. Every vile and immoral thing this world has ever known, that was placed upon the Lord Jesus Christ. And the wrath of God was poured out upon God the Son as he hung there upon the cross. See, that speaks the Lord, his Son, is nigh, near at hand. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord or whosoever shall believe upon the name of the Lord shall not perish but have everlasting life. See, we see the character of God, this holy God, this mighty God, this powerful God, this all-knowing God, yet the Lord is nigh the closeness of God. But go back to Psalm 145. And this is the call upon God. This is what I want to focus on this morning. The rest of it was free. Okay? But this is the message this morning. Here's the call upon God. Look at this verse again. Verse 18, the Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him. To all that call upon him in truth. See, God hears those that call upon him. I want you to keep your place in Psalm 145. I want to trace. We could spend days doing this, but we'll take just a few moments. I want to give you some scripture that reveal these very principles. Let's go all the way back. We'll come back to Psalm 145, but go all the way back into your Old Testament. Go with me to the book of Exodus, chapter number 2. Exodus, chapter number 2. We know here the account, the children of Israel are in Egypt. They're in bondage. Joseph, that generation, have died. There's a new generation. We know that the Pharaoh put heavy bondage upon the children of Israel. It's a picture of Satan. It's exactly what Satan has done. He's put this world into a place of heavy bondage. We go to Exodus chapter 2, verse number 23. And it came to pass in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. The children of Israel sighed by reason of the bondage. And they cried, and their cry came up unto God by reason of their bondage. But now, notice verse 24. And God heard their groaning. God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, with Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God had respect unto them. And then we read in the next chapters that God would raise up a deliverer by the name of Moses. God heard the cry, and God sent his deliverer, a picture again of Jesus Christ, onto the scene. He was nigh to those that called upon him. You go with me to the book of Judges in the Old Testament. We see this principle over and over. There is the power of a cry unto God. In the book of Judges chapter 3, we'll give you just a few illustrations, many, many illustrations in the book of Judges. 
Judges chapter 3, verse number 7. The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord, forgot the Lord their God, served Balaam and the groves. And that's so much the human nature of man. He gets away from God so quickly. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel. He sold them to the hand of Chushan, Rishthame, king of Mesopotamia. And the children of Israel served Chushan, Rishthame, eight years. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, and the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenaz, uh, Caleb's younger brother. There's the cry, and God heard the cry. We go to verse number 12 of Judges chapter 3. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord. And the Lord strengthened Eglon, the king of Moab, against Israel, because they had done evil in the sight of the Lord. And he gathered unto them the children of Ammon and Amalek, and went and smote Israel, possessed the city of palm trees. So the children of Israel served Eglon, the king of Moab, eighteen years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised them up a deliverer, Ehud, uh, the son of Gera, a Benjamite. And to hear the Bible, God heard their cry. We go to chapter 4, verse number 1. And the children of Israel again did evil in the sight of the Lord when Ehud was dead. And the Lord sold them to the hand of Jabin, the king of Canaan, that reigned in Azar. The captain was the host of, of, of whose host was Sisera, which dwelt in Heresheth of the Gentiles. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, for he had 900 chariots of iron. Twenty years he mightily oppressed the children of Israel. And God then raises up Deborah, uh, the prophetess. And we can see that of Gideon in chapter 6. And on and on as we move through the book of Judges, God heard the cry of the people. I want you to go with me to the Psalms for just a moment. Psalm chapter 4. David often cried to the Lord in his need, and God often heard the cry of David. In Psalm 4, in verse number 1, here David prayed, Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me. Hear my prayer. In verse number 3, then David in face says, But know that the Lord has set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. We go to Psalm chapter 5 and verse number 1. I give ear, David prays, unto uh, my words, O Lord. Consider my meditation. Hearken to the voice of my cry, my King, my God. For unto thee will I pray. My voice shalt thou hear in the morning. O Lord, in the morning will I direct my prayer unto thee and will look up. And he in faith says in verse 12, For the Lord will bless the righteous. David knew that God heard his cry. In Psalm 18, Psalm 18, uh, David says, I will love thee. O Lord, my strength, the Lord is my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my God, my strength. In him will I trust my buckler, the horn of my salvation, my high tower. I will call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised. So shall I be saved from mine enemies. In verse number 6, he says, In my distress I called upon the Lord and cried unto my God. He heard my voice out of his temple. My cry came before him even into his ears. Go with me to Psalm 61. Psalm 61. We could look at multitudes of the Psalms this morning. Just giving you some of my favorite. In Psalm 61, verse number 1, David says, Hear my cry, O God, attend to my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee. When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. 
For thou hast been a shelter for me, a strong tower from the enemy. Here David again crying to the Lord in his time of difficulty. Now back in Psalm 145, look at this thought here. Psalm 145 and verse number 18. See, God hears those that call upon him. But I want you to look at this in fulfillment. God hears those that call upon him in truth. It says, The Lord is nigh unto all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. I want to give you a principle that God began to deal with my heart about this week as I looked at this and began to just meditate upon this. The Lord hears those that cry to him. You can see that illustrated through the word of God. But he says, to those that call upon him in truth. What does that mean? Well, to call upon the Lord in truth is to come honestly before God. In truth, God is a God of truth. God knows all things. He's omniscient. We cannot hide from God. You cannot deceive God. Uh, this is what David said. Look back real quickly. Psalm 139. It's what David said on Psalm 139. David said, O Lord, thou hast searched me, in verse 1, and known me. Thou knowest my downsitting, mine uprising. Thou understandest my thought afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down. Art acquainted with all my ways. There is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. He says in verse 7, Whither shall I go from thy spirit? Whither shall I flee from thy presence? David said, I cannot escape from God. God knows my heart. God knows my thought. He knows my motives. He knows all about me. There's nothing hidden from God. And when I come to God, God knows my heart. I must come humbly, truthfully before this living God. In Psalm 145, look again in verse number 19. Psalm 145, verse 19. It reads, He will fulfill the desire of them that fear Him. And he says in verse number 20, The Lord preserveth all them that love Him. He knows my motives, and I come to Him in honesty. And I must come to Him in humility. In verse number 14 of Psalm 145, it reads, The Lord upholdeth all that fall, and raiseth up all those that be bowed down. The eyes of all wait upon thee. Thou givest them their meat in due season. You see, as I come before the Lord, the Bible teaches that God exalts the humble and God abases the proud. And the principle by which I come to the Lord, by which I must call upon the Lord, is this principle of honesty, it's this principle of humility, it's this principle of coming before God with a broken and bowed down heart, it's this principle of coming to God, and as we preached last week, God is holy, holy, holy. And, and when I see the holiness of God, I see the sinfulness of my own heart. And humility is understanding who God is, understanding who I am, and never getting the two mixed up. And you think about this this morning, this holy God, this righteous God, he's nigh to all them that call upon him. But when I come in humility of heart, when I come in brokenness of heart, my God hears that cry. And he's nigh to those that call upon him. In Psalm 51, David was guilty. Nathan the prophet confronted his sin. David had tried to hide from God, 
could not hide from God. Nathan said, David, you're guilty. David poured his heart out in Psalm 51, this psalm of confession. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions, wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. And David humbly bowed down before the Lord, made his confession. And in Psalm 51, verse number 17, David said, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. And in Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit, to revive the spirit of the humble, to revive the heart of the contrite ones. So the Lord is nigh to those that call upon him, to those that call upon him in truth. It's coming before the Lord honestly. It's coming before the Lord humbly. And it's coming before the Lord in faith. Hebrews 11, verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. I want to give you a principle here. Thought about this this week. I don't find anywhere in Scripture that God ever turned away a repentant sinner. I don't find that. I find when one comes humbly in repentance before God in faith, the Lord hears the cry. Of the humble. He hears the cry of the broken. And this is a principle upon which God works. The Lord is nigh to them that call upon Him, to them that call upon Him in truth. See, when one comes to Him in truth, when one comes honestly, humbly, repentantly, Trusting the Lord. God hears the cry. This is so illustrated throughout the scripture. For salvation, there was a publican in the temple. He simply cried out, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. There was a publican that said, God, I thank you that I'm not like this publican. I go to church and I tithe and I do all of these things. But this publican would not so much as lift up his eyes to heaven. God, be merciful to me, a sinner. God turned away the prayer of the Pharisee. He received the prayer of the publican. See, he never turns away the cry of the repentant sinner. There was a wee little man. You know of him as Zacchaeus. He climbed up in the sycamore tree. For he knew the Lord would pass by. And as the Lord passed by, looked up into the tree, Zacchaeus, you come down. The Bible says that he came to seek and to save that which was lost. And there Zacchaeus repentantly said, all of my goods I give to bestow to feed the poor. He's repentant. He turned to the Lord. And the Lord heard the cry. Zacchaeus was saved that day. We know the account of the two thieves. Jesus died between the two. In the beginning, they mocked the Lord, but by the end, one thief had come to recognize who Jesus was. And he says, Lord, when thou enterest into thy kingdom, remember me. The Lord heard the cry of 
the repentant be. He said, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. Friend, I find this, that whenever a man or a woman or a boy or a girl comes to this place, I'm a sinner, I'm lost, I'm undone, I have no hope within myself, my religion can't save me, my baptism can't save me, I've come to the end of myself, the Lord is nigh to them that call upon him, to them that call upon him in truth. And when a sinner comes to Jesus, the Lord receives sinner. The Bible tells us, Luke 15, he was a friend of sinners. There when sinners came to Jesus, he forgave them. He forgave them. Works in salvation. Works for forgiveness. David, I believe in Psalm 51, was already saved. He'd lost the joy of the salvation, lost the power of the salvation, lost the sense of God's presence. He didn't lose the salvation. He needed God's forgiveness. Psalm 51, a beautiful prayer of repentance. You know, God heard that prayer. His sin was deep. He was far. He was wrong. But when he cried out to the Lord in repentance and faith, God heard that cry and restored David, forgave David. Paul, the apostle, often cried out to the Lord for strength and comfort. In 2 Corinthians 1, Paul said, I was pressed out of measure. In fact, as you read through 2 Corinthians chapter 1, I I think Paul despaired even of life at that point. And uh, he was pressed on all sides. And he discovered that God was the God of all comfort. And it's evident that there Paul cried out unto the Lord. And God heard his cry and intervened on behalf of Paul. 2 Timothy chapter 4, near the end of Paul's life, uh, all of Asia had forsaken Paul. Uh, But Paul, crying out to the Lord, said, Nevertheless, the Lord stood by me in my distress. I cried out to the Lord. Acts chapter 27, when all hope that Paul should be saved was taken away, Paul went below deck and prayed to the Lord, and God heard the cry of Paul. Not only Paul's cry, but God gave them all aboard that ship. He heard the cry of Paul in that time of distress. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, when Paul had the thorn of the flesh thrice, he sought the Lord to remove the thorn. Uh, God said, Paul, my grace is sufficient for thee. And there Paul said, most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. See, when Paul cried out to the Lord, he found the strength of the Lord in his life. I'm going to close this morning by having you go to Matthew chapter 15. And I want to illustrate this principle this morning. It's one of my favorite miracles in the New Testament. It's a Syrophoenician woman. She's got a great need. Her daughter is vexed with the devil. Her daughter is being destroyed. If you look in verse 21, Matthew 15, I'm just going to read this account. Make a couple of comments, and you can see this illustration. Then Jesus went thence, departed into the coasts of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came out of the same coast, and what does it say? Cried unto him. What does the Bible say? The Lord is nigh to all that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. She cried unto him, saying, Have mercy on me. She's coming honestly. She's coming humbly. She's coming in faith. O Lord, thou son of David, my daughter is grievously vexed with the devil. But he answered her not a word. 
And his disciples came and besought him, saying, Send her away, for she crieth after us. But he answered and said, I am not sent but to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And she came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, help me. Isn't that neat? Lord, help me. I'm at the end of me. I can't do anything about this. God, if you don't help me, I'm undone. Lord, help me. But he answered and said, it is not meet to take the children's bread to cast it to dogs. I believe all along he knew what he was going to do, but he's revealing the faith of this woman. And she said, truth, Lord, yet the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from their master table. What she's saying is, Lord, you're all powerful and almighty. And yes, I am a Gentile. And I am not of the lost sheep of the children of Israel. I understand that. But Lord, all I need is just a few crumbs. Lord, if you could make this world out of nothing, if you from nothing could create everything, you've got the power. I just need a crumb. And my daughter will be whole. And she cried out to the Lord. It illustrates the Lord is nigh to them that call upon him, to them who call upon him in truth. Verse 28, and Jesus answered and said unto her, O woman, great is thy faith. Be it unto thee, even as thou wilt. I don't see he turned away. A repentant sinner. No, he received such an one. Her daughter was made whole from that very hour. She came honestly. She came humbly. She came in humility. She came in faith and believed the Lord could do the impossible. The Lord is nigh to all them that call upon him, to all that call upon him in truth. And in verse 19 of Psalm 145, he will fulfill the desire of them that fear him. He also will hear their cry and will save them. Friend, that happened to me one night. I knew if I died, I would split hell wide open. And I cried out and said, Lord, I'm lost. And I'm so thankful that night he heard my cry. There have been multitudes of time, like David, I felt surrounded by Saul. Or like Jehoshaphat, surrounded by the enemy. And in my extremity, I cried out. And I found he was there all the time. He's nigh to them that call upon him to them that call upon him in truth. I'd like our heads bowed.